It started with a bowl of soup. It seems strange to say this, but from the moment I met Winnie, I knew my life would never be the same again. In 2004, Lisa Ashton was a researcher working in television. She had been sent to Johannesburg along with former British athlete Jonathan Edwards to produce a mini-documentary about post-apartheid South Africa. They were filming in a place called Finetown, about 50 kilometres outside Johannesburg, when Lisa came across a woman called Winnie Mabasso. Winnie was a former nurse, now in her 70s, who had taken it upon herself to feed some of the underprivileged children who walked past her house every day. Winnie lived in this shack, explains Lisa, and she used to watch children go past every day with no food. She started making soup. As more children came, the bowl kept getting bigger and bigger. By the time we met her, she was feeding about 500 children a day. I was so struck by the love and compassion of this woman. Once we'd finished filming, we continued chatting to her and watching her. She told us it was time to get the mattresses out. She was preparing her front yard so many of the children would have a safe place to spend the night. Lisa explained that many of the young girls found themselves attacked by men at night. HIV was rampant in fine town, and there was a strong belief that if you were able to sleep with a virgin, that would get rid of the virus. Winnie was protecting those young girls as best she could, with food during the day and shelter at night. You know what it's like, Dan. There are moments in your life when your heart is captured. I remember saying to myself, I've got to do something to help this woman. I had no idea what it would entail, but I was compelled to do something. I couldn't get the image of her or those children out of my head. Lisa returned to the UK, but she and Winnie started writing to each other. Winnie would send long, beautiful letters, and in one of them she mentioned that the house opposite her in Finetown had come up for sale, and she thought it would be perfect for an orphanage. I knew nothing about charities, remembers Lisa. I knew nothing about HIV. But I just told her I would do everything I could to raise the money we needed to help. I set up the Winnie Mabasso Foundation later that year. At that point in my life, I thought I'll raise the money we need and that will be my job done. I never realised it would take over my life. Lisa was still working as a researcher at the BBC at the time. She had a husband, Steve, and a daughter, Charlotte, who was five years old. The fundraising operation went into overdrive. Letters were written, emails sent, calls made, events organised, and the donations came flooding in. I found out that I was very persistent and had no shame when it came to begging for other people's money, explains Lisa. I would tell Winnie's story to anyone who would listen. I was just on it. I didn't miss an opportunity and somehow, within about 10 months, we had raised enough money to buy the house. It was such an exciting time for Winnie and Lisa. In 2005, Winnie and some of the children she looked after moved into the orphanage. This amazing woman, who had spent many years trying to protect vulnerable children in her community, had a place that she and they could call home. I used to ring Winnie every Friday to ask how things were and see if there was anything she needed me to do, explains Lisa. About three months after they moved in, I made my normal call and a man answered. His English was poor and he struggled to explain what had happened. I managed to work out that Winnie was sick and that she was in hospital. Lisa spent much of the weekend frantically trying to find Winnie. 
She looked up South African hospitals and started calling them to try and see if her friend was there. She was getting more and more frantic. Eventually, Lisa got through to the Chris Baragwanath Hospital in Soweto, at the time the biggest hospital in the world. The wonderful receptionist could hear the desperation in her voice. She connected her to a ward, and Lisa managed to speak to the ward's sister who confirmed that Winnie was there, but explained that she couldn't give her any information because she wasn't a member of the family. I just broke down in tears, remembers Lisa. The sister told me to wait for a moment. I stayed patiently on the phone for a few minutes, and then I heard it rattle as someone on the other end picked it up. Hello? It was Winnie. She was totally taken aback by the fact that I'd managed to track her down. She sounded frail and explained that she had an obstruction in her bowel but was feeling okay and looking forward to going home. I told her I loved her. She said the same thing back to me and that was the last time we ever spoke to each other. Winnie died later that day. Lisa went to South Africa for Winnie's funeral. It was a beautiful day. There were so many people there who'd come to understand what she had done for others. The whole service was a celebration of her spirit of compassion and love. Just before she was buried, all the children from the orphanage stood hand in hand around her coffin. Lisa stops talking as she remembers that moment. It is clearly still a huge, defining moment in her life. The tears are flowing again. I knew, looking at them, looking at those children, that I would end up doing whatever it takes to keep them safe. Just like the day I met Winnie for the first time, I had the feeling that I couldn't let them go. I knew they were going to turn my life upside down, but I knew for certain that I had to continue what Winnie had started.